Yo, what up? It's your boy, Cool Chef. This podcast is brought to you by my boy, Joey T and Tyrese Maxi. But right now, you know, we just maxing on the courts, hailing from the streets of South Philly. Sometimes it gets a little hectic out there. But right now, we go up you on how we just chill. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back into another edition of Trust the Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Tooman, as always. Very excited to be back in the groove of things after a while off. But as the NBA season approaches, obviously there's other teams besides the Sixers uh, around, especially in the Eastern Conference. Although we might not necessarily be talking about them all season, I wanted to talk a little about our fellow East Coast team. That's the Washington Wizards. And of course, every time we're going to talk Wizards, you got to get Andrew Buckman Trust the podcast legend, Daily Collegian legend on the pod. Buckman, thank you for joining me once again today. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. It's always great to be back on my on my favorite podcast. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. So, you know, last year, me, you, and Joe Eckstein, we did our Eastern Conference preview. We talked about a lot of teams, and we did, we did touch on your Wizards to a degree, but I feel like you kind of got, you know, the short end of the stick talking about your favorite team. Me and Joe get to go on and on about the Sixers. Feel like you didn't get the opportunity to, to have your shine. So before the season starts, I kind of wanted to give you the floor. We're going to talk a little Wizards about their current upcoming season. But then we're being self-indulgent as ever. We're doing an all-time Wizards draft. I'm very excited to do that. But before we get to that, big offseason for the Wizards in the sense of kind of moving the team forward. It's been a while. It's been a while since they were a serious, consistent playoff team. They finally moved towards a, towards a youth movement, a rebuild. They trade Bradley Beal. They trade Kristaps Porzingis. They got a new president in Michael Winger. So just going into this season, what's your mindset as a fan? And what's your thoughts on this kind of rehauled roster? I'm really excited. Like this is just, this is the nice thing about this is there's no hope at all this year. I mean, we're, I think we're projected to, to have maybe the worst record in the NBA, maybe the second worst, or at least bottom three, guaranteed. So at the very least, that makes it a lot more fun because we can just enjoy Wizards basketball and not expect them to win games on a consistent basis. And I can watch, you know, Jordan Poole average 26 points a game if he wants to. Um, And, you know, it's just just a fun, young roster. We don't have he who shall not be named because I'm not, I don't want to bring him up. I'm not going to be the first person to bring him up on the roster anymore acting like he wants to be here even though he doesn't want to be here um i'm I'm excited man i have no expectations i'm just looking for fun man yeah no you're kind of in the the process area i mean maybe not as blatant but there's a lot of but the thing is there's a lot of talented players i guess that's the state of the league at this point that's why a lot of people think maybe in a couple years there's going to be expansion it's just every roster even the worst even the worst teams have capable players. Jordan Poole's a guy who averaged 20 a game for the NBA champions two years ago. And now he's, you know, an afterthought and just cast aside to Washington. We can start there. I mean, when you trade Porzingis, let's start with that, actually. So you trade Porzingis, who kind of had established himself as pretty much the best player on the team. But instead of re-signing him, you kind of choose to trade him to Boston. Uh, Then you get Chris Paul in that three-team deal. You flip him to get Jordan Poole and some other assets. So what was your thoughts on them trading Porzingis, and then also then bringing in Jordan Poole. Do you think that, so basically trading Chris Stops for Jordan Poole, do you think that was the right move? Or would you have wanted Porzingis to be part of this new this new uh, rebuild? Um, No, I think it was absolutely the right move. I think it's good for us to get ahead of players being frustrated with not winning. And I think KP is, while he's still, I mean, he's still youngish, right? He's mm-hmm. not 30 yet. Last year might have been the best year of his career. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and obviously it was on a bad Wizards team, so it's a little heightened in terms of all of his his numbers and stuff like that. But I think that it's good to 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 say thank you, KP, for what you did because I think Wizards fan fell in love with him very, very quickly. He was easily the most loved player on that roster probably 20 games into the season. I'm I'm happy that we can move on from him and that we can, you know, I, I like I like the idea of Kyle Kuzma like on a team that's not good. And so guys like him and now JP who can just just you know shoot 40 shots a game and I won't care. Mm-hmm. Um and then guys like, you know, Patrick Baldwin who we picked up who I I would I'd love to see in an in a heightened role on a team where he can actually play consistently. Tyus Jones as a starting point guard will be fun to watch. Like we're giving a lot of guys chances to to just ball out, man, and I'm really excited for that. Yeah, and the thing about bringing in Pool, like you said, everyone's talking about how, like you kind of mentioned earlier, just can he score 25 a game? And the, I, I think he can because, like I said, 20 a game in Golden State, he's going to be taking all the shots in Washington. I think Kuzma, in a similar boat, you mentioned him. He was a free agent. Everyone expected he was going to go to maybe like Sacramento or maybe he's going to go to Portland to give them a role player. And then he stayed in Washington. Why do you think he wanted to stay despite the fact that the rest of the team was kind of moving in a different direction? Well, here's here's what I, I mean. He has a championship, and sure. I think yeah. that's. I mean, he's young still. He's still. I think he's mid twenties. I think he's probably twenty six right now. He's still young. He has a championship, and he it wasn't like an afterthought on that team. He was a major mm-hmm. contributor. I think he was off the bench at that point uh, for the Lakers, but he was an important part of that championship team. And so I think he's he's in this spot where he can maybe spend three or four more years in Washington. And then he can go back and start looking for more championships as a as a role player. But here he's I mean, he's a second option, I would say. Right. So let him ball out. Let him be that guy he was before LeBron came or even the the guy he was the first year LeBron was there when the Lakers still stunk. Yeah. Um, And I think that he's going to play really well in that role. That's when I liked him. That's why that's the last time I enjoyed watching him play basketball was then. So Mm -hmm. hopefully hopefully at least on a consistent basis and hopefully he can, you know, get back to that guy. Yeah. Kuz is another guy. I mean, he averaged 20 game last year. He had three guys averaging 20, the third being you, you didn't want to name him, but Bradley Beal, who I guess that's one other topic we do have to address because he was, you know, the face of the franchise for a while there. Um, He's with the team for about a decade and he, he had really good seasons for you, but I mean, we've touched on it before, but you kind of were at your, the end of your wits with him. Why, why was that? And why, why were you happy to see him finally dealt from the team? I don't know if Bradley Beal ever genuinely liked being in D.C. because at first he was, you know, in John Wall's shadow, rightfully so. I think he was loved by Wizards fans for years and years, but never as much as John Wall was. And so I think that got to him. And then when he was finally that guy and, you know, we were supporting him, we weren't winning games. And then he started to get frustrated and, you know, probably said some things that, you know, didn't so well with a lot of Wizards fans, myself included, until eventually he fall, fell out of the favor. And most Wizards fans are like they <laughs> most Wizards fans didn't want him, don't want him to get a tribute video. And he might get booze when he comes back to D.C. as crazy as that sounds. I think it's I mean, he was a. I think he was the he led the league in scoring one yep. of those years when he averaged 30. So it's it's kind of crazy to even imagine that. I mean, he was never 
I wouldn't say he was ever an MVP level player because he was such a terrible defensive player and he has no ability to handle the ball and um, he is very selfish, but <laughs> not to get off a tangent on a tangent, but I you think that Reynolds would have a field day together talking about Bradley Beal. He hates him too. Um, But I think there was, there was always just at the end of, at the end, it was just everyone butting heads and I think it had to happen. And um I think Bradley Beal can absolutely be the man. I was going to say second best player in a championship team, but I don't know if he has that anymore. I don't know if he can shoot the ball like that anymore. I think Um, at his peak, I think he definitely could have been. Yeah. Okay. At at his peak. Oh, I I mean, if, if Bradley Beal could still shoot the ball like he could when John Wall was on the roster, but that's, that's the John Wall effect. But anyway, I, I'm, I'm excited I'm excited that he has another chance somewhere else. And I think that he'll be good with the Suns, um, which is probably the nicest thing that I've said about him in a very long time. So there yeah. you go. So just kind of frustration that it was kind of like he wasn't changing. He was arguably getting worse. And then also the franchise, the team as a whole, just refused to move forward. They refused to accept that Bradley Beal is your best player, isn't going to win you games. And then it finally kind of you got a new president here with Michael Winger, and he was like, "Well, we got to change things up." And then it finally, it, it was basically just a lot of years of of mediocrity kind of weighed on Wizards fans after a while. Is that is that what I'm getting? Is that what you're getting at? Yes, I mean we, I mean the Wizards were the definition of mediocrity since John Wall got hurt, mm-hmm. like midway through this the season after we went to you know seven games in the Eastern right. Conference semis. Yeah. Um, he made the playoffs that year, but he got hurt, and then after that, it was just downhill from there. Yeah, it's been a weird five years for them. Just a lot of like guys coming in and out. But that's the thing about this team. It's like you got a lot of these young guys who, you know, the hope would be that they're going to continue to blossom. I mean, Corey Kisper, I know you're a big fan of him. Kuz, like you said, is still relatively young. And then, you know, you draft Bilal Koulibaly. I guess that's like the last the last thing we can touch on before we get to the draft. Just overall, the roster. Just who are you most excited to watch? Who do you who do you want to stick around for years to come? I mean, our guy Delon Wright's still around to build some culture, play some defense, but just whether it's veterans, younger guys, like who who are you most excited to watch play for this team this year? Well, Delon is always like right up there, but yeah. there was a time where I thought it was best to trade him because I think he's too good to be on a team like this. He he can't tank the way he plays basketball. He can't tank. Yeah. But I think he'll be a really good vet for a lot of those young guys. And so I I'm, I'm happy to have him and I'm not mad about that at all. Um, Corey Kisper is probably number one though. Hopefully he starts every single game this year. I don't know. I don't know what the starting lineup is going to be. I think it's going to be really weird. I'll be interested to see what role Denny plays. Um, yeah. I think he has a lot more room to, to handle the ball with Bradley Beal gone. I would say Tyus is like a true ball handler. So maybe Denny can lead the bench charge. I don't know. But uh, yeah, and then Bilal, I I was very split on what I thought about Bilal when we drafted him. Um, but I think he's going to be so great defensively that I think I'm just okay with him being that guy and him, you know, figuring out what he is he'll he'll figure out his identity offensively as it goes along but if he can just be a dominant defensive player i'm perfectly okay with that so yeah it feels like as a rookie you just have enough guys on the wing where he doesn't have to start every game he'll just be able to kind of come in just kind of 
you know, get a feel for the NBA game. And hopefully as he continues to grow, just develop those skills and maybe slot in as the other forward uh, opposite of Kyle Kuzma. Yeah. You mentioned the starting lineup. I like what you were getting at because I think Tyus, Tyus was a great backup for Memphis for like years. And I think he's ready to be a starter. I think he's going to be, I wouldn't even be surprised if he's dealing, dishing out like seven or eight assists a game this year. I think he can be that good. But to your point, because you got Tyus, I mean, maybe Denny can kind of move to the bench. I think Kispert in the starting lineup, like you said, you want him to start uh, every game. I think it's possible. I think Tyus, Poole, Kispert, Kuzma, Gafford. I mean, you said you could see the starting lineup getting a little wonky, but generally speaking, at least projecting it, I actually didn't have that hard that hard of a time coming up with the starting lineup. But I don't know. I guess the last thing we can touch on real fast, like what's your confidence level in Wes Unsell Jr. as the coach? Because maybe that's where some so of your low. concern with the lineups come in. I'm not sure. It's so low. That's I mean, that's been one of his biggest critiques since he started coaching is his inability to to um pick solid lineups. It's very inconsistent. It's very frustrating. So my my confidence is very, very low with him. Maybe maybe this will be a good year for him because he doesn't have pressure. And there's pressure in the sense that he's been terrible the past couple of years, but there's not pressure in the sense that he's like really expected to win games generally. Um, maybe the front office has different expectations, but I don't think they do. I think maybe they're, they're sticking with Wes um, because they know that he's probably not going to be here next year and they don't want to bring in another guy who's, you know, going to have to struggle through with the younger guys. And so mm-hmm. I think that, he just has to go out and have fun with it. I think it's a good spot for him. I, I think this is where we see if he has any ability to be a good head coach in the NBA. And um, while I doubt that happens, I'm I'm hopeful because that name means something to the to the organization. Right. So that's that's a big part of it. So absolutely. Yeah, that's a good and that's a good transition into the rest of our, our pod here today. Cause we're gonna be doing that all time draft and obviously West Unselled. Junior's father, Wes Unsold, was one of the greatest players in Wizards history. And although although there's not a lot of bright days ahead for, in the next coming couple seasons for the Wizards, contrary to what a lot of people believe, there's been some very great moments in Wizards history. There's been a lot of good players. And I think a lot of people don't realize, first of all, the Wizards have a championship. Like a lot of people, I feel like, group them in with like Memphis and Minnesota and these teams that haven't gotten it done. The Washington Bullets, they were the 1978 NBA champions. That I, When I was doing the research for this pod, I found out they made four finals in the 70s, which I was not aware of. And even in more recent decades, although they haven't, you know, won a lot of, they haven't been competing for championships consistently, they've had good players. So starting out with this draft, Buckman, you're the guest and you're the Wizards fan. You got the first pick. We're going to be drafting 10 players each, 20 in total. Five starters for each of us and then five bench guys. Buckman, you have the first pick and you're on the clock. It can be anyone from the history of the Wizards. Uh, Real fast though, we're drafting for their time with the Wizards, not like their entire career. So Michael Jordan's not about to be the first pick. Well, absolutely, that would be. He's 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 somewhere on this list though. He is. He is. <laughs> no, but he's no, definitely not the first pick. Okay, so with the first pick, I feel like there's two players in the conversation, in my opinion, for this first pick. But I think the the greatest single season in Wizards history belongs to Wes Unseld. And that's that's where I'm going. Phil's on my center position with a guy who, I mean, the Wizards are never going to have another MVP at, at center. It's never going to happen again. I mean, guys like Jokic and Embiid are so hard to come by. And so I think, I, I love Wes Unseld. I think he's awesome. And he's a huge part of 
why Wizards fans are so passionate, because I think in a city like D.C., it's so hard to find good sports fans. But I think the Wizards fans are maybe the most passionate of all of all D.C. sports fans. They're a loyal bunch. That's for sure. Yeah, Wes Unseld. So I didn't realize he was only six foot seven. Rebounding is is ridiculous with when Wes Unseld. He's averaging like 15, 16, 17 boards a game at six foot seven. I also didn't know how good of a passer he was. He actually averaged 3.9 assists for his career. But some of the stuff I did know, he won MVP and Rookie of the Year in the same season in 1969. And then he was the finals MVP in 1978. So when you're talking about the greatest Wizards, greatest Bullets of all time, and he's pretty much the most decorated. And now, you know, his son's coaching the team now. So as we said, there's a lot of history there. But he he also coached the team as well himself Mm -hmm. after he retired. So... Yeah, the, the unsold name is just kind of tied to the Wizards. And though he's not, you know, it's not Michael Jordan with the Bulls. It's not LeBron with Cleveland. But, you know, every team has their best player of all time. And I think it's fair to say Wes Unseld uh, is the greatest Wizard of all time. There's a couple guys that are close, but I think that's a great first pick. All right, so that brings it to me with my first pick. And I'm going to stay with the big man. I think I think this is the guy who could compete with Wes Unseld for the title of the greatest Wizard of all time, greatest Bullet of all time, Elvin Hayes who, unlike Unsell, didn't play his entire career with the Washington, but he played most of it, nine seasons, uh, after coming over from Houston. He was also on that 1978 championship team, three-time first-team All-NBA, and I was watching some of his highlights earlier. That man had a nasty turnaround jumper, again, down the post, turn around, hit the little mid-range jumper, and he was also just like Wes. He was a great rebounder. There was one season where both those guys averaged like 15 rebounds a game, so that was 30 rebounds from two players. They were able to do that year in and year out. That's why the Wizards were so consistent. Rather, the Bullets were so consistent in the 70s with that front court. So, yeah, to me, he averaged 21 points a game, 13 rebounds with nine seasons with Washington. And, yeah, I think it's a toss-up between him and Unseld, but I'm going to go with him as well since you went uh, west with your first pick. I'm going to grab my big as well. What do you think about, just briefly, to give the listeners a little history lesson, just what do you think about Hayes versus Unseld? Like, why do you think Unseld was the pick over Hayes? I think if I was picking like purely based on basketball ability, I probably would have gone with Elvin Hayes, but maybe it's just me understanding the impact they had on, on the, on the franchise. But I think for me, Wes Unseld is, is just the guy. And um, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, Wes Unseld very undersized, but like just so much heart, dude. You're averaging 15 rebounds a game at that height. You're you're scrappy. You're you're a dog. Mm-hmm. That's that's probably the pick for me. So no, absolutely, yeah. And them together was a great defensive front court as well. Because once again, like Wes Unsold, you look at his career stats, like just points wise, they're not crazy. But the guy was a multi-time All Star for a reason. So that that brings it back to you, Buckman. Your second pick. Uh, I think this pick might excite the listeners a little more than our first two here. Um, I'm going with John Wall. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't <laughs> pick him first. I thought you were going to pick him first. I, so I considered it, but I felt like just, just out of respect for Wes Unseld. I mean, I, I figured he'd still be there because Alvin Hayes was like, I mean, if he's not one, he's two. So that, I think that's, that's the consideration there. John Wall is, is my favorite wizard of all time. Um, and maybe my favorite basketball player of all time. He electrified man. I was, I was at the game. 
uh, game six in DC against the Celtics when he hit the game winning three hopped up on the table. I was, I was at that game. That's the greatest basketball game I've ever been to in my life is that's something that I will never forget. Um, yeah. And it, yeah, I mean that, that cemented him as one of my favorite basketball players of all time, just such a clutch basketball player, such a, I mean, he, he improved the games of so many people around him and, um, he got guys contracts that just like so crazy, dude. Yeah. I mean, he got Brad his first big contract. I mean, Brad obviously earned the one on his own after that, but um, he got Otto Porter a massive contract. Yeah. Yes, Eventually, did. what led to a championship for Otto Porter in like a meaningful, meaningful way. But I mean, Otto Porter's, I'll say this Otto Porter's best seasons came with the Washington Wizards. That's the most respect the Wizards have gotten in decades and decades is when john wall was on the team and you know when Stephen a was saying hey man i think the wizards if the wizards had gotten to the conference or if the wizards get into the conference finals i think they can beat the Cavs." that was a crazy moment obviously didn't happen because kelly olenic my one of my least favorite players of all time 30 points in a game seven are you kidding me yeah. that is the best yeah. game of kelly olenic's entire career and he does it against the wizards um, to hold us from a conference finals, but whatever, it's it's not a big deal. It's fine. I've gotten over it clearly. Uh, <laughs> the cultural impact that John Wall had on DC, and that's a guy that no one, I don't think anyone in DC has ever had an ounce of hate for that man because of just how much he did for the franchise and how much like fun he brought. I completely agree, and I miss watching John Wall play. It really. Those injuries were just devastating to see to see him fall from grace so fast. And like, you know, I remember talking about how he had the worst contract in the league because of the injuries, stuff like that, because he got the super max. But those first eight years, like you said, I don't even want to add that much because I think you did a great job talking about him. But just the passing, the energy he played with on the court, the speed and just the passion. And like you said, the cult, he would have been on the culture ranks if we had the culture rankings <laughs> seven years ago. He absolutely would have been. And yeah, you, you saying you were at that game six in person, that that trumps any you know type of sports game I've been at live. I mean, I'm not even kidding. I was getting some goosebumps hearing you talk about that game because that was, I know they didn't win the series like we just talked about, but like that was an incredible moment. That Wizards team was so much fun to watch. That was before the Sixers were relevant again. So I remember really like gravitating towards that Wizards team as well during that playoff run. So yeah, John Wall was awesome. And I definitely think he is the best point guard in Wizards history. And I think he deserves to go there. So I love I love everything you had to say about him. So that brings it to me. And, you know, this is where things already get a little difficult because yeah. the Wizards have a lot of good players. I got them all listed here. But I think those three are the clear-cut top three in the history of the team. So this is where I'm going to start finagling things, where if you made an all-time list of the greatest Wizards, this guy would not be number four. But if we're just talking about the player he was, what he can do on the court during the years he was in Washington, I want him on my team. I want him playing with Elvin Hayes. And that's got to be Chris Webber. So Chris Webber, I know he, I know his best years were with Sacramento, but he was with Washington for four seasons. He averaged 21 points, 10 rebounds, four assists with them. And the thing about Chris Webber was not only was he a good scorer, not only did he have good all-around big men skills, but he was also a good ball handler. He had, you know, he was an early prototype for the type of players we see now that can, you know, they have the guard skill sets, but also have that height. And, the Wizards, they kind of, not only did they, they had really good luck getting him, but then they had bad luck with trading him away before he hit his prime. Uh, they got they got him from Golden State. They gave up three first round picks because 
Apparently, Chris Webber and Don Nelson didn't get along. Two greats right there, but they couldn't get along. So Golden State trades him after one year. And listen, Washington, they made the playoffs a few times with Chris Webber. I know they were, they were only like, you know, 43, 44 wins. But after they traded him, they didn't make the playoffs again until until 2005 uh, when they when they had Gilbert and all those guys coming in. Um, so, yeah, I just think Chris Webber, I think he's a very underrated player all time. Some injuries held him back. You know, there was issues in Washington, which maybe led to his departure. I mean, you traded him. I don't, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the trade, but they traded him for Mitch Richmond, who was already in his 30s. And that yeah. was just not a good that was just not a good trade. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's just weird because Chris Webber, the rep on him was he may, maybe didn't have, you know, that superstar personality quite yet. He had to develop that in Sacramento. He had to learn how to be a leader there. But nonetheless, I think with Elvin Hayes on my team, I think Chris Webber as a player, even at that young age, was already so great that I want to have him on the, my team because that's a Hall of Famer in my, my eyes. And I want him on my roster. What do you think about that? Yeah, um, I had Chris Weber in like the eight to twelve range or something like that. So he's obviously on my list, but I think you probably could have waited a little bit for him. Okay, I mean, I I, I I I respect it because I think he's incredible, and I do think that his his years with the Wizards are absolutely underrated. And I think he's like he's an awesome basketball player. I loved watching Chris Weber. I mean, he's you know part of one of the more iconic heirs of college basketball ever. So that's, that's a big part of why he's so, such a fun player to watch, but I agree. I, I can't fault you for taking him there. Cause I think in any era, he's just like a, an awesome player to watch. So, yeah, you know. I feel like if he played now, you know, he's probably shooting more threes, but like I said, I, that the skill set he had, he really yeah. was ahead of his time. So, so it's back to you here. Third pick who you got. I'm going to take Earl the Pearl Monroe. Earl was high score with, with I guess it would be Baltimore at the time. Very, very, you know, long ago. But his best years were all all with with the, I guess, Washington. I don't even know how to describe it. You could say Wizards. I think the, the people know what we're talking about. I'll say Washington slash Baltimore slash Wizards slash Bullets. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, What's with Washington teams? Why can't they pick names? We got Washington know, football dude. team, match, change, the expos. Yeah, the I understand the the bullets change. I don't know why they name themselves the bullets in the first place. It's kind of a crazy name, but um, but anyway, yeah, it's it's Earl of Pearl. I I'm glad he's still here. I think he was awesome. I mean, only a two time All Star, but as a rookie, he's averaging 24 and a half points, 25 the year after, 23, 21, and then um, you know he he leaves midway through the next year, but he he's, he's a great scorer. I didn't want to take Bradley Beal and I didn't want to take um, what's his face who lived up to the bullets name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm going to go with Earl because I think he's a good compliment to John wall and John Wall's going to get him the ball. So I think that's a, a good little tandem right there. No, I think that's an awesome pick. I mean, Earl, the Pearl, like you said, just ahead of his time as a scorer. Obviously, he wasn't, you know, shooting threes or anything. It was back in the sixties and seventies, but that was that was the book on him. The man could get buckets, and he he wasn't a point guard. I feel like a lot of people think he was a point guard. I mean, I used to think that as well. But if you look at the teams he played for in both Washington and with the Knicks, he's more of a he was more of a two guard. So yeah, I think that fit opposite wall. I think that would work a lot in this hypothetical. It's fun to think about the teams because you got guys from the sixties. And then guys now, it's like, how would they play together? It's kind of hard to project that. But I think this would work, and I think that's a really good pick. 
Um, so that brings it to me. Yeah, I got to get some backcourt help. So I think I'm going to have to – I'll save you the pain. I'm going to take Bradley Beal right here. I Bradley Beal's had a weird – not he's had a weird career in the sense that I think he's he's put on a lot of hats. You know, what like we talked about with John Wall, he was they would compare him to Ray Allen the way he played, and it and it was fair. You know, he was just shooting threes. He was a forty percent three point shooter. He had he had a similar build, uh, very consistent. And then once Wall went down with the injuries, uh, he had to become the leading scorer. He had to take on maybe more responsibility than he should have had. But at the same time, like we talked about earlier, two time thirty point per game scorer. That's not easy to do, no matter who you are. So even though it was on for even though it was with teams that you know weren't finals contenders, he was still putting up great stats. The last couple of years have been weird, but now he has a chance with Phoenix to maybe add a little more depth to his career. I just think whether he was playing off the ball or on the ball, he always was a high level contributor. And you can talk about you know season in, season out. There's different years. One year he's a positive impact. Other years you can argue maybe he was a negative impact, but. The man could get buckets, and I think for this team, when I have two bigs already, I want someone who at least I know at some point in his career could knock down the triple with ease. So I, I need him in my lineup. I'm happy to have him as my go-to scorer. Um, you know, it's weird. He started his career with a lot of injuries. Then he was healthy during his best years. Lately, with his age, with his increased age, he's been dealing with a little more injuries once again. But I don't know. I'm going to count on Bradley Beal. I think he'll be able to get the job done for me here. Yeah, I I respect it. I'm glad you did it because I had him. I had him like I had my list, and it's like you know 25 guys. I had him in parentheses, like okay, I'll take him if he falls like too far, like yeah. that's. But I figured he wouldn't. Um, it was just one of the things like okay, it, it'll reach if it reaches a certain point and it gets ridiculous, then I guess right. I'll. Get it. Um, but I I figured it wouldn't happen, so okay. I'm glad yeah. it didn't. Um, okay. So back to you here. Yes, I am going to go with Walt Bellamy. Okay, interesting. Um, I need size because even though Wes Unseld was technically a center, he's, he's not going to be able to, I don't think, effectively play it at 6'7 um, in this game. Walt Bellamy is 6'11", and he only spent, I think he only spent a couple of years with the Wizards or the Baltimore, D.C., whatever franchise. But they originally called the Chicago Packers, which I thought was just yeah. so bizarre. Yeah. Chicago yeah. and Packers, Chicago and Packers. I don't like that. But anyways, I mean, yeah, <laughs> that that's a little sore subject for you, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, kind of played in a what many people consider a plumber era, but he was dominant and he scored a lot of points. And I think that's really positive because having John Wall on your team, being able, John Wall being able to distribute the ball evenly and just let guys score, I think is a really big positive. And I think Wes Unseld, who can grab some rebounds while Wall just is slamming them home. I think that's, I think it's a, a good little tandem we got going there, little combination. So yeah, Walt Bellamy is one of those players that like, even before I did the research this morning, like I knew very little about him. I knew the name just because you see him on like, you know, all time list, things like that. But weird career. He was on a lot of teams, but he put up good numbers. And that includes with Washington. I mean, his rookie season, he averaged 31 and 17. Uh, and obviously, like you said, it was in the very early 60s. So there's probably like eight teams in the league. But listen, he was getting it done. And like you said, he's he is taller. He's I think he's 6'11", I believe. So. Uh, definitely can play with Wes Unseld and gives you gives you good depth down in the front court. He's just one of those players that I saw. He only made the playoffs one time with Washington, and over the course of his career, 
you know, he was on the Knicks for a little while, but he wasn't necessarily like the best player on the team. So just kind of a weird career. But if we're talking Washington exclusively, that was definitely his peak. And yeah, I, there's some players on the list that like I just know more about. But I mean, the guy was getting it done in his era. So you got to respect that. So that brings it to me here. I am desperately needing a point guard. I'm starting to wish I had taken John Wall second because there's enough bigs that I could have made up for not having Elvin Hayes. But yeah, what, what I think? learned is like there's so few great point guards in Washington yeah. Wizards history. That's oh. that's my, which is unsurprising because that's been the theme since John Wall left DC. It's just like it seems like history yeah. itself. No, definitely. I, I completely agree. And there is one point guard, as we mentioned, we alluded to him before. I just don't want to take him yet. I don't want to take um you know the john wall's predecessor yet so instead i'm going to take what i consider one of the most underrated stars of the 1980s i'm going to go with bernard king who had to bounce back from a major injury with the knicks he was a superstar in new york this is a guy who's averaging 30 points per game uh you know in the michael jordan era like in the mid 80s when michael jordan was scoring a ton who else would be in those you know the advertisements stuff like that bernard king he was a highlight real player in Madison Square Garden, but back then knee injuries were a lot more severe. It ended his time with the Knicks. He found himself in Washington, and between 1987 and 1991, he averaged 22 points a game, five rebounds. His last season there, he averaged 29 again, but then he had another knee injury, and that pretty much shelved his entire career for good after that because he only played one more season once he recovered from it. But his four years in Washington, he was still a really good scorer, and it gives me some versatility on the wing. It gives me a guy who can charge to the basket, get those slam dunks, play with finesse around the rim, kind of a good contrast to my forwards as well as Bradley Beal. So I th- I'm confident that he would be able to play with the guys I have in my roster, and I think that's a good fit. I just need my point guard somewhere. I'll, I'll get him at some point. I don't know who it's going to be, but I'm happy with the team I'm assembling so far. Awesome. All right. I think I'm going to go with a guy who a lot of Wizards, younger Wizards fans, kind of like me, recognized for his um his broadcasting ability more so than his his basketball ability but i'm gonna go with uh phil chenier who um like i said was the wizards broadcaster when i was like when i really got into when i first moved to dc in like 2010 i think is when i really started like following the team and i think he was the 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 analyst the entire time and um up until few years ago when the Wizards decided to hire an interesting team and now Drew Gooden is our guy so oh really Drew Gooden's your your analyst your is he like a color commentator yes he's he's been our color commentator for three or four seasons now we went with like Kara Lawson who's like she played for I think she played for the the Mystics for a little bit um but yeah, it's been it's been him for a while. But yeah, I'm going to Phil Chenier. My my lineup's gonna be a little bit small. I think John Wall is taller than both my shooting <laughs> I would have as my shooting guard and small forward, but I think that's okay. A lot of my success is gonna rely on John Wall, and I think I'm okay with that. Like yeah. John Wall just has to in this hypothetical situation, John Wall has to stay healthy and he has to be the guy in 2016 that's you know hitting clutch shots but he's also distributing the ball at at a crazy level so i think if he does that i think this team's gonna be a lot of fun and um i think phil i mean they didn't when when phil played they didn't have three-point shooting but if we're playing in today's game i think that he can knock him down i think he's one of those guys that's just like 
he's he's a shooter and I think he can do it. So I'm just thinking about when I do like breakout social stuff for this. I'm just putting Phil Chenier highlights up on the TikTok. <laughs> I'm hoping people enjoy that. But you're right. I I didn't know much about him before I before I did the research for this. But you're you're exactly correct. People wrote about how he had. You know, he kind of had that touch beyond the arc and there was no arc back then, but he wasn't yeah. afraid to take jumpers. So he was an important part of those 70s teams. We talked about Wes Unseld and Elvin Hayes, but he was kind of the go to guard for those teams. Uh, he was on the 78 championship team, but he was dealing with an injury that year. So he didn't get to play in the finals, but he was a part of that team. So, yeah, go check out those 1970s. <laughs> they had they had all stars left and right. So you got to respect it. So, yeah, I think that's a good pick. Uh, so that brings it to me. I'm going to wait on my point guard. At this point, I think I can wait. So I'm just going to keep uh, building my depth on the wing and in the front court. And with that in mind, so for my next pick, I'm going to stick with the theme of those 1970s Bullets teams. I'm going to go with Bobby Dandridge, who you know won a championship with the Bucks, I believe, then came to D.C., also won a championship with them. Uh, played with the Bullets from 78 to 81. Just a really good scoring forward. He was an 18-point-per-game guy. He had, uh, you know, a couple seasons over 20. And, you know, he's just really highly thought of in both the Bucks and the Bullets. You look up the all-time list, he's always going to be on there. Not a player, you know, with a ton of flash. You don't see him. You know, he's not one of those legends who's around the game all the time, but he is a Hall of Famer, uh, and he played a lot of wing ba- winning basketball. I found out that the Wizards uh, – excuse keep saying the Wizards. I found out the Bullets acquired him. They didn't have to give up any players. They just had to give Milwaukee $500,000. And they just brought in a winning forward that helped them win a title. So, yeah, I think he's a good fit on my team. Uh, and I can plug him in. Uh, if I want to go small, I can play him at the four, or maybe play him at the three instead of Bernard King. So I'm building depth. I don't have a playmaker, but everything else on my team is falling into place. I'm I'm curious to know what $500,000 dollars back then is today i feel like yeah. it's got it's probably a lot but i can't i'm not sure like how much it's got to be one of the higher cash consideration deals maybe ever that's crazy five hundred thousand dollars is crazy in the 1970s but i like that pick i do my for my next one i'm i don't know if i want to do this this early but i feel like if i'm gonna be a jordan truther that i have to do it eventually <laughs> Uh, I'm Michael Jordan. Okay. Um, I think that while he was only in DC for two years and and he was a multiple time all-star, maybe partially because of his name, he's still Michael Jordan and he still averaged 20 points. And just based on who he is, I mean, Michael Jordan is Michael Jordan, no matter the age. So I think that's my pick there. I mean, I was going to hopefully have a little clip of like, who do you think won this draft? I think you've absolutely cooked me. I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm not feeling confident about my draft here. You already, you know, had a better roster construction. Now you're just like, oh, and I also have Michael Jordan, who will just be a pain in the ass to play against, <laughs> no matter how, you know, what age he is, whatever. So you've won the draft with this pick, but absolutely. Michael Jordan, yes, he's not Bulls Michael Jordan with Washington. He, if For those who might not be familiar, he was general manager of the Wizards for a few seasons after he retired, but then was like, this team sucks. I'm coming out of retirement to try and, you know, get them to play winning basketball. Didn't really work. Uh, he got hurt his first year there, but then his, his final season, he played 82 games at the age of 39 and 40. He had a 43-point game at age 40 against the Nets. And he averaged 21 a game. So, listen, like, he was not GOAT Michael Jordan, but he was still playing winning basketball. He was still an above-average NBA player by a wide margin. So, 
you can't go wrong with that pick. You now have John Wall, Earl Monroe, and Michael Jordan in your backcourt. I mean, what am I going to do? All I got is Bradley Beal. Like, what? What? I've already lost, but great pick. I, I commend you for that one. All right, I gotta get. I gotta get someone who can match that type of passion, um, and or at least you know try to. No one's gonna match Jordan's mentality, but this is a reach, and I probably could wait to draft him. But I need a point guard. I'm going to have to take Russell Westbrook because I actually think he had a pretty solid season with Washington. I know there's games where he goes off the rails, but I need a playmaker. Russell Westbrook's never going to give up on a play. Uh, he might take some ill-advised threes, but I mean, I can always sub him out for, you know, maybe a, a, a better shooter off the bench, but I just need someone to start the game and, you know, kind of set the offense. And to me, he's the best guy left on the board who can do that, but also, you know, play with a little more intensity. There's some there's some better pure passers, but I think Russell Westbrook overall, I, I, even even at his declining play, he's not Thunder Russell Westbrook, but I, I think he was pretty solid with Washington. What was your thoughts on the Russell Westbrook? Yeah, I here's what I'll say. I I enjoyed watching him play basketball. I really did. There were times where I th- and I think it's always been the same for me with Russell Westbrook. It's like he's got to stop stop shooting threes just please stop shooting threes just stop doing that but every other time i i love how with how much heart he plays with like he plays the game angry man i love that he plays the game like he's just angry at the world and angry at every single person on the floor even if you're on his team which is sometimes the case but like he's just he was fun to watch man and in a time when you know the wizards are in their the height the peak of their mediocrity um where i don't think bradley beal and russell westbrook as a tandem was ever gonna work i think it was a lot of fun to watch and i I saw this i was when i was doing my research he's he had 38 triple doubles with the wizards wow yeah like that's that's crazy crazy. like he was barely with the wizards and I'm, i'm pretty sure that's what it was it was 38 triple doubles it's just like so insane to me that he did that had that many in that short amount of time but that's just how great of a player he was and i like that pick a lot i do yeah i think he i think it's necessary and you know i do have that westbrook beal backcourt so defensively it could be trouble but i don't know they were playing with dan gafford and and Rui. i think you know bernard king chris weber elvin hayes it's at least better support for that backcourt so we'll see like i said i think you already won this draft but i'm confident with westbrook I, i think he's a capable point guard so that brings us back to you for your seventh pick, you got four more guys uh, to take here. All right. I'm going to go with Anton Jameson. Nice. Nice. I, I don't have like a, a true power forward or a true like wing player, I would say. And I think this guy is a really good, really good guy to fill that spot. I mean, he's going to come off the bench be- just because of, you know, all the legends ahead of him. But I think he's one of those guys that if we need him to, he could step in and fill a, a need if we're playing against, you know, like a bigger team or something like that, where we need the size in the starting lineup. Multiple time all-star with the Wizards, you know, average 20 a game or close to it most of the years he was with us. I mean, this was this era of Wizards basketball is probably the most unfamiliar I am um, with the franchise just because. I mean, the 70, 60s and 70s is the, you know, the the peak of their peak of their winning ways. And so I, you know, that's something that always interested me. And then I didn't start. 
I didn't really move to Virginia and like wasn't in DC until the 2010s. And so this is kind of a weird gap, but he's one of those, you know, three or four guys probably that I know the name and I'm familiar with his game. And I, I like a lot of what he did in DC. So. Yeah, he was a really good player. And one of the early kind of prototypes for that stretch four type of player where he had big men skill sets, but he could also, you know, drain some threes. He shot 36% from three with Washington during his years there. So, yeah, I mean, he's not even the best player from those teams because we're continuing to let that guy slide. But Antoine Jameson is definitely a guy who can be plugged and placed into really, I think, any team. I think he would have been even better in the current, you know, iteration of the NBA. But he was a good player with Washington in the 2000s for sure. So that's a, I think that's a great pick. So come back to me. So looking at the bench, I need a lot of different skill sets here because I still need kind of a backup point guard. I don't have my backup bigs. This is, what is this first, Andrew Buckman? This is a Sixers podcast, first and for- foremost. So I got to take a guy who was still very good on the Washington Bullets, second team All-NBA in his first year there. Moses Malone, Mr. Fall for Fall, 1983, the man who brought the Sixers their most recent NBA championship. I'm elated to have him as my backup five. He's kind of similar to Wes Unseld in that kind of undersized for a center, but is still a great rebounder, a great defender, a league MVP with Houston. I think the Sixers as well, actually. Uh, But he was still a good player with Washington. Uh, I'm not quite sure why. Well, I don't know why the Sixers traded him to you. And then I don't know why Washington dealt him after two years when he was averaging 22 points a game with the team. But just a really, I, I think a lot of people don't even really realize that Moses Malone played for Washington, but his two years there were productive, and I'm very happy happy to have him as my backup five. I think in terms of like pure basketball ability and accolades and stuff like that, I think that that Moses Malone is the probably the best player. Or geez, I almost said the best, the second best player after Michael Jordan on this list. <laughs> um, but like just just a true baller, man. And like you said, I most people don't know that, and I think that's probably why if we're going like purely based off of talent i think he's the second overall pick maybe third i think elvin might have a a, a say but even that i still think moses malone probably clears him i think he's just a legend dude and um yeah i i think that the reason i don't have him higher is because of you know he wasn't a wizard right yeah i mean you took you took the guy that played for us no, yeah, no, completely. Like you took Jordan, but other than that, like I've been targeting more of these, like you know, Chris Webber, yeah. Moses Malone. You're going with the tradition, and that makes sense for you as a Wizards fan. Yeah. But yeah, Moses Malone just the way Barkley and Doc, like they talk about him, like just a leader, like another guy, culture rankings, Moses Malone. I might yeah, 100%. I have to give him an honorary one. I, I, unfortunately, he's no longer with us, but I might have to give him an, on, an honorary culture ranking spotlight. Yeah. So glad to have him on my team. Sixers legend, and for two years, he was a Bullets legend. So back to you, Buckman. Who are you looking at as we kind of – Oh, man, this is tough. This is getting tough. There are a lot of guys that are kind of in a similar area for me. You know what? I'm going to do this because I just want to. Yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Manute Bull. Oh, I thought you were going somewhere else with that. <laughs> No, no, no. I have something planned for the last pick, but I'm going to go with Manu Bull just because of his his defensive ability. I mean, he's arguably the, the greatest blocker in the history of basketball. I mean, I think he averaged 3.8 blocks for his career, yeah. something crazy like that. Yeah. Um, I don't expect he'll get a lot of minutes, and he has zero ability to score the ball pretty much um, because he's a, a stick. Um, God rest his soul because he's no longer with us, but 
Um, just an incredible defensive talent in big part because he's, you know, one of the tallest basketball players of all time, but also because of his ability to, to track the ball and move better than you would expect a guy that that's, that's that skinny and that slow to be able to move. Um, and so that's, I'm going to go with Manupal just cause it's a fun pick and yeah, um, got to respect a legend. Absolutely. Another, another guy, he's also a sixer. So we, but bo- we both have some love from a new pool. Just, yeah, just a very unique player. But like you said, the man could block shots with ease and, you know, just put him in the rotation. He'll, he'll play 10 minutes and he'll give Russell Westbrook fits and Russell Westbrook will get ejected uh for for yelling at the refs because Manupul blocked him three times so I think that's another great pick for you you continue to school me in this draft all right uh looking at my team here I'm I need a, I need another facilitator especially if Russell Westbrook just like I just said gets ejected or is not playing defense so I'm gonna go with the guy who made the all NBA second team in 1997 he led the NBA in assists with 10.6 that year Rod Strickland. He played for mm, Washington from 1996 like to 2001, and he also already has chemistry with Chris Webber from their days together. A uh, good veteran in the NBA for a while. He played for a lot of teams, but always was one of those prototypical point guards, just like a, a 15 and 10, an 18 and 9 type of guy. Uh, and you know, he, I think he's, I think he was a good player. And the fact that he made All NBA one year was kind of a fluke. Like he was never really considered that for most of his career. He's not a Hall of Famer. I only made one all-star team it was that year, but he definitely showed he could be a strong facilitator. And I think I need someone like that on my team. So I'm going to go with him. Awesome. All right. All right. With my, I assume this is my penultimate pick, right? Yes. Number nine for you. You got two more. Okay. Um, I'm going to take a guy that I think when doing my research, I think it was like higher than we have him um, going. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Gus Johnson. Um, Okay. This guy was a defensive monster, dude. Um, Two-time all-defensive team. Also four-time all-NBA second team. All-rookie team. Five-time all-star. ABA champion. So this guy's a winner, dude. And I think that um, he's... I mean, he's one of those guys in that era that was a little maybe undersized for his ability... Um, because he was playing forward, but he was still he was still a dog. And I think he's a, a really, really good bench piece. And I think that's um, I don't know if I have other than Manute, maybe I don't know if I have great defense. 40 um, year old Michael Jordan is, you know, questionable <laughs> defensively. Maybe Michael Jordan 10 years prior, but well, Manute's great, but he's not going to play much. So I think Gus Johnson's a really good guy for for the bench to to anchor that defense defensively. Yeah, he's one of those guys that just gets lost in the cracks because he's another one from the 60s. He played from 63 to 72 for Washington. He had career averages of 17 and 13, 13 rebounds. And yeah, I mean, all the bigs back then in Washington, Bellamy, Hayes, Unseld, and and Gus Johnson were all rebound the ball at an incredibly consistent rate. And it's just weird. Like those, the, there's a lot of guys back then who have a, a lot of accolades that just don't get talked about anymore. And he's one of them. I mean, he was a great player. Like you said, four. So four all NBA second team selections. That means he was a top four forward in the league for four different seasons. So even though like, I'm not going to pretend I've watched a ton of Gus Johnson highlights, yeah. he's clearly like an all time player in Washington history. And, yeah. you know, I'm glad you're the one who got to, got to pick him here because it's just, 
it's good to know the history, even if it's not someone you're, you're, you know, telling your kids about one day. So yeah, I like that pick there. Good, good for the end of the bench. Gives you some versatility on defense. So that brings it back to me. So yeah, I think it's time. Um, an all-star forward goes off the board. Another guy from those 2000s Wizards teams, Karan Butler, uh, just a consistent two-way wing. Just one of those prototypical, he, he's a three and D player through and through. That's who he is. Uh, 19 points a game, six rebounds for his Washington career. Uh, when he eventually was dealt by the Wizards to Dallas, he was able to win a championship with them a year later. Uh, so they got him the, the ring, but he also gave a lot of good efforts with Washington, just kind of forming that big three with um, Antoine Jameson and a guy we'll probably talk about at some point on this podcast. But, you know, Karan Baller, I think he can play with anyone. And I'm not going to ask him to start, but I think at the end of my bench here, I think he's a good fit, and I'm excited to have him. Okay, with my last pick, um, this is probably he's one of my favorite five, probably five favorite basketball players of all time, um, and he's nowhere near the top, probably 50 players in Wizards history. But it's my tenth player, and I got to go with someone who like means something to me and means something to more than just the wizards means something to the city of DC, a guy that I've met a couple of times, you know, I think I, I got a picture with him. I got my shoe signed by him. They're over here somewhere. It's Otto Porter jr. Oh, okay. Actually, I like that pick. All right. I thought you were no. going to say Rui. I thought it was going to be Rui. No, I, I like Rui, but Rui is not. He, Rui. I like yeah. Rui. Yeah. He's still, Rui's still far from his prime. Otto Porter jr.'s prime was with the wizards and, um, I think he's it's tough. I was looking at the numbers. He was sort of far down, but I think he's he's like top three um, in terms of shooting percentage, three point shooting percentage all time for guys who have spent more than one season. I think he was like seventh or eighth overall in terms of like career three points percentage with the Wizards, but it was guys like, you know, Mike Miller and other guys who had spent one year in, in DC. And so it's hard to consider them with, but Mike Miller. Yeah, I love Otto Porter. I think that when he, when he's at his best, he's one of the best shooters in the NBA. And I think he's underrated defensively. I think he has his mental lapses. I mean, you've probably seen some clips of Otto Porter just completely falling asleep during plays defensively. But I think his dude, his size and his length is like so insane. Like he's he's he has the intangibles to be a great defensive player. And he has had moments defensively that are really big, um, especially with the Wizards. I don't know. I love him. I think that's a good pick. I I, I thought you were the way you're building that up. I thought it was going to be someone that I didn't have on my board. I had Otto Porter on my board. I mean, we were talking about that 2017 team. It was a great team. And he shot 44% from three that year. Just And John Wall was a big part of that, getting him those open looks. But I think Otto Porter is a good player. And when he was healthy, you know, a good, solid wing, guy on the wing for a modern NBA team. And I think as your last pick, I, I, yeah, I think that's a good pick. And I think, like you said, he had multiple seasons of over 40% from three. It's weird. I keep talking about Otto Porter on this podcast. Me and Chris Reynolds did our redraft of the 2013 draft. We had a whole Otto Porter segment. Here he is again. We'll see if he can be as relevant with Toronto as he's been on the pod lately. But yeah, I like that pick for your last spot here. Uh, and he went to Georgetown. I, I, is that where you you met him? Uh, around? Yeah. There? So I met him for the first time at Georgetown. That's where I got my shoes signed. And then I was um, 
at my prom dinner. So right before prom and I ran into, or I saw him like right outside of our restaurant. And I was like, I had like a little mini panic attack. Um, and then I was, but I was also a little bit intoxicated. So I had the courage to go up and talk to him and his girlfriend. And I talked to them for probably five to 10 minutes, <laughs> just oh, wow. like going back and forth with them, giving him a hard time. I think his girlfriend, this is before he was with the Warriors. I think he was with Chicago maybe at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he had recently just been, um, just been, you know, dealt or traded, whatever, but she was wearing like a warrior's hat. I think she's from the Bay area and it's funny. He ended up with them. Yeah. So, okay. Um, but yeah, it's, That's it, it was, cool. yeah, I love him. Awesome. Best. Well, my, my last pick won't be as uh, interesting as that, but, um, in terms of a, of a personal story, but you know, there's some good guys left. You know what? I'm going to go with, I think this is actually a, a really good player. And I'm going to snag him here. I'm going to keep with my theme of taking guys who were better with other teams, but still pretty solid with Washington. I'll go Richard Hamilton with my last pick. Uh, We talked about Michael Jordan earlier. He may have been solid on the court, but as GM of the Wizards, he did not do a good job. We know about Kwame Brown. But another trade he made, he traded Richard Hamilton for Jerry Stackhouse. And then Jerry Stackhouse was gone two years later. Meanwhile, Richard Hamilton was playing this, you know, he's this great 3 and D guard for Detroit on their championship team. So, you know, he averaged 18 a game his second year, 20 a game his third year with Washington before being dealt by Jordan, who then took the starting shooting guard role for himself. But, you know, with that aside, I think Richard Hamilton's a great final pick here for me. So that concludes our draft. Before we get into maybe some honorable mentions, just to read everybody's teams off. So Andrew Buckman, you have, uh, you started with Wes Unseld and then you went John Wall. Earl Monroe, Phil Chenier, you got Michael Jordan, Antoine Jameson, Walt Bellamy, Bull, not Bull Bull, Manute Bull, uh, Gus Johnson, and Otto Porter. And then my team, I've got uh, I've got Elvin Hayes, I've got Bradley Beal, I've got Russell Westbrook, Bernard King, Bob Dandridge, Chris Weber, uh, Moses Malone. Um, I just took I just Rich- took R- Richard Hamilton. I feel like I'm missing somewhere someone there too. I didn't write him down. Uh, did you get Strickland? Yeah, Rod Strickland, whatever. I think I covered everyone, but that, that's my squad right there. I think you definitely schooled me. What do you think? Um, I think I had a really good starting five, and then I just started tailing off the guys who I wanted to be on the team, and I didn't really care about. I mean, Antoine Jameson is probably like my most um, team-centric pick other than that. I mean, maybe Gus Johnson too, but Michael Jordan I just wanted to take because he's Michael Jordan, even though he wasn't Michael Jordan when he played for the Wizards. Uh, Manupal, I just love Manupal, and then Auto Porter. Like, I mean, I think some of my picks. I think I had a really good start because I was just focused on having a good starting lineup. But after that, I just wanted to pick guys that I wanted to pick. So, yeah. um, I think you, I think your bench is better than mine, absolutely. Okay. Um, but yeah, I yeah, know. I think the star power kind of elevates you, and I think your stars fit better together as well. So yeah, I like I said, I regret not taking John Wall. I think that will allow the rest of my lineup to. Uh, have fit together a bit better. So before we close, there's one egregious omission we made. Um, that would be Agent Zero, Gilbert Arenas, who, you know, averaged 28 a game, 29 a game, a couple seasons with the Wiz, played there from 2003 to 2011, averaged 25 a game. Of course, he dealt with some injuries as well, but uh, you start. Why did you decide to omit Gilbert from your from your roster? I mean, he's an incredible player, and I think he's 
probably one of the five best wizards of all time realistically i just i don't i don't really like him <laughs> and maybe that's just me not being i mean this is a fun draft like we're not actually drafting teams and stuff like that this is purely hypothetical so i think it was just like one of those things like i just didn't want to do it um, I didn't even have him on my list, honestly. Like, I didn't even put him down. I put Bradley Beal in brackets. So I, I, I almost told you, like, I have, like, one and a half people that I'm not going to draft. Bradley Beal was the half, and Agent Zero was was the the one. Um, I just, I, I'm not a big fan. And maybe that's, I think part of it is the fact that I miss that era of Wizards basketball that was right before I started watching the team. And... So when I think of like when I get into like debates about John Wall versus him, it's like I'm not I don't even like to listen to the conversation about him being better to or more important to the Wizards than John Wall. And so I think that's all also part of it. I just think it's like it was definitely an emotional decision. Like I just didn't I don't like him. I'm with you. I, I think it's pretty similar. I'm not a Wizards fan, but similar, like a similar reason. Like I just love John Wall. And I think I think he's a better player, one. But like you said, like it's not just the gun stuff because like that's kind of just an isolated incident. But just even like in his post, like after he's retired, like he just bothers me. He just annoys me. And he's a great scorer. He's a great. He could get hot in a hurry. He was he had a great, uh, you know, four year run where he was averaging in the high twenties, and he got the Wizards to the playoffs. But I don't know. I just didn't want him. I, I'd even rather have Russell Westbrook. Just like we said, for the fun of the roster. I trust him more as a like a leader of my team. So I don't yeah. know. It's like what we always talk about. It's culture. It's culture. I, I put Gilbert on the anti-culture rankings. Not the I think it's funny because there's there there are guys like like Gilbert that are equally as like vocal and outspoken and as retired players in the NBA. And I think of guys like Pat, Patrick Beverly who who isn't like he's he's weird in terms of culture. Cause I think he's a great teammate, but I also think he's a pest and I think that can be very anti-culture, but he's also just like, he seems like a genuinely good person. And I don't know if, okay. if Gilbert arenas is a genuinely good person. <laughs> like uh, just <laughs> s- simple as that. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I think I'm with you. So that pretty much wraps up your discussion. I wanted to give you the floor to talk about your team. Uh, for a full episode. So Andrew Buckman, thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you all for listening. Make sure to follow on Spotify and Apple if you aren't already. Keep with Trust the Podcast. I'm excited to get going again. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great rest of your day. Go Sixers.